Good morning, good morning, good morning. We're really thrilled to have you uh, with us this morning as we continue in our series in one of the messages that I believe is one of the uh, most important messages in this entire series, this week and next week. Now what I want to do is, uh, in a moment, put some, some symbols on the screen for you. They're some of the most recognizable symbols on all the earth that I think you're, most of you are going to get 100% on this little quiz we're going to do together. So when I put the symbol up there, we want you to shout out what it is, okay? So let's see how you do. Do you recognize these symbols? So let's put the first one up there. What is this? Nike, Nike right? The Nike swoosh. Okay, what's about the next one? Mercedes, very good. How about the next one? Shell, okay, we're, we're rolling along. Next one? Pepsi. <laughs> All right, so just quick side note question. Who here hates Pepsi? All right, who here hates Coke? Yeah, somehow, someway, man, that, that's like fighting words, man. More than politics is the soda we have. All right, how about the next one? All right, now this next one might prevent some of you from getting 100% on the quiz. Okay, so let's see how you do. When I put it up there, shout it out if you know it. Go for it. Pagoda. Patagoda. That one would be Patagonia, but that one is Quicksilver. Raise your hand if you didn't know it. All right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, you've never been to the beach? Uh, okay. Anyway, okay, so that, that's good. So I stumped you guys on that. Uh, 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 I'm trying to remember. Hold on. Don't put anything up there. Uh, one last one. All right. What about this one? Target. All right. Good job, guys. A few of you got 100%. A few of you were just a slight bit off. Now, there is a story behind each of these symbols. There's a story behind it. For example, let's put back up the swoosh there. In 1971, Portland State University graphic design student Carolyn Davidson was paid $35 by the Blue Ribbon Sports for her design to put on their new brand of football cleats called Nike. She created the swoosh, and the rest was history. And she did it for $35. The most recognizable symbol on the planet. Well, I would suggest to you, it's probably the second most recognizable symbol on the planet. What is the most recognizable symbol on planet Earth? What would you say it is? The cross. The cross. We wear it. We put it on walls. We put it on buildings. We even tattoo it on our bodies. It's the cross. And the question is, what's the story behind this particular symbol? Well, the story is the story of God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so that you and I could experience forgiveness. And this cross is a reminder to us that Jesus came to give us eternal life, something we don't deserve. What we deserve is eternal death and eternal separation from God. But the symbol represents that God forgave us so that we could live. And it is God's great desire that every single one of us demonstrate forgiveness as well. But in our culture today, forgiveness is pretty non-existent. Culture says that there are some things that are just unforgivable. Uh, this week I was actually listening to a podcast, uh, 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 and, and the person being interviewed was the daughter of a famous politician. And she said this. 
She said, I will never, ever forgive what was done and said against my father by another famous politician. I will never forgive. You see, culture says there are certain things that can't be forgiven. Culture tells you and I to tweet out our hatred, to speak our mind. If we have been offended, they deserve our wrath. They deserve our our hatred. They deserve our venom. They do not deserve our forgiveness. But if you are a Jesus follower, if you are a disciple of Jesus, and I am imagining many of us are, maybe most of us are, Jesus made it abundantly clear to his disciples. He said over and over and over, he said, we're called to forgive. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said it this way as simply as possible. If you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. You see, I imagine that there's a time in your life where somebody has done something towards you that has been difficult, that you have been wronged. Maybe you have been lied about. Maybe someone has cheated you. Maybe someone has misrepresented you. Maybe someone has harmed your reputation accidentally, or some maybe have even tried to harm your, represent, your, your reputation purposefully. Maybe a coworker made an accusation against you that you know isn't true. Or for some, perhaps a spouse is hiding things from you. Or they're even hiding themselves from you. For some, you have people in your life who have broken trust in the relationship. And our response to what they did or what they're currently doing has actually shaped a part of who we are today. That if we responded with hatred and revenge or holding a grudge, that has impacted the person that we have become today. In fact, some have carried grudges for weeks, years, and even decades. And you need to understand that the longer you hold a grudge, the longer a grudge has a hold of you. You see, without forgiveness, our relationships are damaged. They're divided. They're even destroyed. Maybe you remember the story of, that took place in October of 2006. A truck driver held a childhood grudge for 20 years. He walked into a one-room Amish schoolhouse forcing out the boys and all the adults. He blocked the doorways and he opened fire on a dozen girls, young girls, killing four before committing suicide. The gunman, Charles Robert, age 32, was a truck driver and he decided to kill these young girls who weren't even alive when, he, from when the event happened to him. And here's why he did what he did. And I quote, to act out in revenge for something that happened to me 20 years ago. He even called his wife during the siege to tell her he was getting even for a long ago offense. You see, I imagine that there are some of you here today who've been carrying resentment or bitterness or a grudge for quite a while now. For some of you, it's weeks. For some of you, it's months. Some of you, it's years. And there's some here, you've been holding it for decades. And it's a big deal 
because it still affects you and impacts you today. It still influences the decisions you make today. It still has an influence on you and an influence over you. And whether you know it or not, it is hurting your current and even your future relationships. The longer you hold a grudge, the longer the grudge has a hold of you. Now, maybe there's others here this morning that you may not have this big, monstrous, blatant grudge that you're holding against somebody, but you have uh, some things where an individual or people just annoy you. In fact, I'm, a cur- I'm curious right now, it, can you think of, is there, any, is there at least one individual that you, if you be real honest, you say, you know what, they just seriously annoy me. Raise your hand. All right, so being honest, thank you. Don't look at the person next to you. But what can happen over time is over time, that annoyance can grow to the point where you might even hold something against them because that character flaw they have is an annoyance to you. It drives you crazy. You're annoyed by a habit that they have or that they act in a certain way in certain circumstances and you hold it against them. And it could almost be easier where, you know, the big stuff, that, that's one thing, but it's all that little stuff in your life that will just, that they do, that will set you off and it's hurting your relationship with them. There's still others here this morning that you struggle to forgive those who are closest to you. That you might have somebody close to you and you're thinking, Pastor, if you knew my story, if you knew my situation with this person, I just can't forgive because what I'm going through with them, it's just ongoing. And it's hard for me to forgive knowing that I'm going to forgive today and that I need to forgive tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It would be far easier to forgive a one-time offense. Pastor, you don't understand this idea of ongoing forgiveness. I just can't do it. But the more we cling to the thought that our situation is an exception, that our situation and scenario is different and unique, the more we are less likely to forgive, the more we will stay in bondage and we will not experience the freedom that we can have in Jesus Christ. So what does it look like? For those of us who say Christ is our reference point, when we are wronged, what does it look like? Jesus made it clear. Forgive forgive. In fact, he tells us to forgive and to forgive over and over and over. And in Matthew chapter 18, uh, the disciples ask, how many times shall we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus is like, no, no, not seven times, but 77 times. And some of you, you're at point 77 saying, okay, I finally reached it. I can move on and not forgive. No, 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 no. Jesus wasn't literal there. His point was, it's ongoing. It doesn't end. So how do you do it? How do you forgive? Especially to that which may not seem to ever change. Well, how do you forgive? You start with the most recognizable symbol on planet Earth. You start with the what? The cross. When you and I fully understand and embrace how much Jesus loved you, when you fully understand and embrace how much Jesus has forgiven you by dying for you, then here's what happens. Then you'll forgive. Why? Because forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. And for some of us, you need to understand that that is the key to be a person who forgives. Because it's only when we forgive that the grip 
of that grudge can begin to be released in our life. Let me say it another way. Our inability to fully forgive is in reality a result of our inability to fully understand and embrace the forgiveness that Jesus demonstrated for us on the cross. So the Apostle Paul talks about this idea of forgiveness flowing out of us in this way. Turn to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to spend the rest of the morning. Romans chapter 12. He's going to give us a recipe for forgiveness. And you need to understand, as your pastor of this church for 16 years, I have watched, heard your stories. I don't know all the stories, but the stories I know represent many, many more stories. This is a reality for many of us. And it's difficult to forgive. And Paul's going to talk to us, and he's going to give us a recipe. And he starts in Romans chapter 12, verse 17, and he says it this way. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Notice the word evil. God is not saying you just need to get over it. It's no big deal. No, no, no. God's saying, you know what? There might be something in your life that someone has done to you in such a way that it's not just bad. It's even evil. And this even includes something that's just perceived evil in our mind. In other words, Somebody else might look at your situation and say, well, they didn't really do anything bad to you. You're just interpreting it as evil. And that could be also the case here as well. Listen, we hold grudges over the pettiest of things, don't we? There might be somebody here still holding a grudge against somebody from maybe, you know, something that happened on Thanksgiving 10 years ago. Ah, they wouldn't pass me the gravy or all this or all that. You know, it's just the silliest things. And in our mind, they're evil. It makes me think about what happened back in 2013 when Ben Affleck was cast as Batman. And when he was cast as Batman, some of you might have been one of these people, he was cast as Batman and the internet exploded and the hatred and the anger welled up within people because people were holding a grudge against Ben Affleck because of his terrible job acting in the movie Daredevil. And so you're, you're like, you remember that, right? And it was so bad, in fact, that there was a petition to, to the White House. And here was the petition. They, uh, people turned in a petition to make it illegal for Ben Affleck to portray Batman or any superhero for the next 200 years. They probably get petitions all the time. It wasn't a few, you know, a few dozen or maybe even a couple hundred people that signed this petition. It was tens upon tens of thousands of individuals who signed that petition. We can carry grudges for the silliest of things. And so whether that grudge is real, evil, or just perceived, either way, true or perceived, Paul says, you don't repay. You don't repay. So he tells us there's a better pathway. Here it is, Romans 12, verse 18. He says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at what with everybody? Let's say it out loud. Live at peace with everyone. Notice it's the word peace because Paul does not say there needs to be a partnership with everybody. This is not an invitation by God to be a doormat. Make sure you hear that. No. What Paul is saying, though, is that as far as it depends on us, we live at peace with everyone. But that is not necessarily a partnership. Peace is not a partnership. 
which means for some of us we might need to consider the words of Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus told us to not throw our pearls before swine. And some of us say, what does that even mean? Well, I heard a quote once that I thought was a good explanation. And the person said this. They said, swine don't deserve pearls of wisdom because all they will do with the wise counsel is roll around with it in the mud. And so... We're called to live at peace with all, but it doesn't necessarily mean this partnership. And Paul describes what that peace looks like when he talked to Titus in Titus chapter 3. And he told Titus, you need to tell the church this. You want to know what living at peace with people looks like? He said this, speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect what? To show perfect... Say it again, to show perfect courtesy courtesy towards all people. Wouldn't you agree that that is missing in our culture today? That perfect courtesy is missing. That it's been thrown out the door. And you need to understand as a Jesus follower, this is one of the ways that we can genuinely stand out and be radically different than our culture today. That you could have a huge impact on relationships, and our culture, when circumstances arise that require forgiveness, and in those moments that you show and demonstrate perfect courtesy, rather than lashing out or getting even, that you would be gentle, that you in those moments would speak evil of no one, that you would live at peace with everyone. Now, a quick side note, because it probably has to be said, forgiveness is not the same as trusting They're not the same thing. Forgiveness is given. You can forgive. Of course, trust has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we withhold trust forever and we make consequences go on and on and on, torture without end, but trust is earned. Forgiveness is unearned. As far as it depends on you. In other words, you do your part. Let God take care of it. Live at peace with all people. Notice what he says next. Romans 12, verse 19, he says, here's God taking care of it. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. See, as we focus on our part, which is living at peace with all people, let God handle the avenging part. Now, for those who were here this summer for one or two of my messages where I mentioned to you that the Delphs family had a summer vacation and it was a summer vacation fiasco. I have an update for you. So some of you have asked about it. For those who weren't here, don't know about it. Basically, we had a big summer vacation planned and we were ripped off with our our trip and and, and it, it was what I believed to be fraud and I wanted my money back. Contractually, we didn't really have a case. But what I did is everything I could to be polite, kind, and respectful, showing perfect courtesy as I asked for my money back, to no avail. I then pursued my options that I had with my credit card company. What you need to understand through that story of what happened, there was so much in me that wanted to take revenge. I did. I had so many bad thoughts and bad ideas of what I wanted to do to this guy and his place. Actually, they were pretty good ideas. 
that wells up inside of me so strongly because one of the characteristics or attributes of the person that I am is that I hate more than anything being taken advantage of. And if you live in that space, then you kind of understand that not all people live there, but for me, that's a tough one. Well, I just got word this week that our case was taken care of, or I should say the case was, it was concluded. Here's the results. I got all my money back. Woo! Got fully refunded. And I'm thankful because it was a big chunk of money. But that wasn't the real issue. The real issue that I had to come to grips with was not the money. It was my heart. That was the real issue in this circumstances. Because in my heart, I wanted revenge badly. And I discovered in that journey, I had to truly take this to God. And God was essentially telling me, Chris, are you willing to predetermine that no matter the financial outcome, that you will leave this in my hands? And you will come before me with your heart. That you will leave room for me, God, to act. And you just worry about your heart. That you'll leave room for God, for me to act, before a guy who clearly doesn't have a conscience. That part probably wasn't from God. It wasn't from God. That was me throwing in my part. Yeah, but pastor, that kind of attitude, that's just going to let people off the hook, and they're just going to get a pass, and they're just going to do it to others. But what Paul is saying here is, why don't you do your job? And what's your job? Be polite. Be respectful. Perfect courtesy towards all. Sure, take steps. You could take legal steps. Nothing wrong with doing that. And you let God avenge you. And I struggle with this. Because I, as another one of my deep personality traits, I want everybody in every situation to learn a lesson. Can anybody relate to that? There's a handful of you. And again, those of you who live your life that way, that's more important than the money to me. That's more important. When you come talk to me and you're going through something, you know, forgiving people, you know, it's almost like you can take those steps. But it's, I want to make sure that they, I'll, it's easier to forgive if they learn their lesson, which is maybe why one of my life verses might help you. It helps me all the time. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul said, God is in the business of doing the work in people. And God is in the business of carrying on his good work in pe- people to the day of completion till the day of Christ Jesus. God doesn't need our help doing his part. He can teach a lesson without me. Our responsibility. What God had to show me is to seek to be at peace with others. Paul goes on to tell us a little bit of what that looks like. He says this. Here's active peace. Romans 12, verse 20 says, On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will reap burning coals on his head. That verse is actually quoting Proverbs chapter 25. And in Proverbs chapter 25, it says the same thing, but it ends with a part that wasn't mentioned there. It ends with, you do this and the Lord will reward you. Tell me if you agree with this. It is human nature. It is baked into our DNA to retaliate. Right? Isn't that, I mean, that's just inside of us. We want to retaliate. So Paul gives us a Christ-centered, not a cultured-centered retaliation plan. 
And the plan is that when you retaliate, you demonstrate kindness. You do good to those who have wronged you or that you perceive have wronged you. And when you do good to others, Proverbs says, God's going to reward you. God is going to reward you. It might come in the, the, war, the, the, the frame of instant help. It might be delayed. It might come in an incremental way. It might just be giving you peace in the midst of something that's chaotic. The grip of the grudge can be released in our life when we choose a Christ-centered retaliation plan. Retaliate with goodness. That's demonstrating kindness. And God will reward us for it. Because here's the reality. Every single one of us here in this room today has been wronged. Every one of us. Why? Because if you're in relationship with people, eventually you are going to be wronged in some way. I can guarantee they're going to forget important dates. They're going to hurt your feelings, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. There will be people you're in relationship with that will be inconsiderate. They will be selfish. They will be hurtful. And some will be repeat offenders of it. Some will wrong you in an ongoing way that lasts for years and even decades. They're going to let you down. And Paul says you've got two choices on how to handle it. And he says in verse 21, he says, here's your choices. Do not be overcome by evil, which we need to understand. That means that we have a choice. We actually have a choice. God does not permit you or I to play the victim card that society allows, that culture allows. And so the way that you're overcome by evil is playing the victim. The way you're overcome by evil is holding the grudge. The way we're overcome by evil is lashing out to avenge ourselves. That's what culture tells us to do. Or the Christ-centered way. Verse 21, but overcome evil with good. You see, whatever you feel has been done to you wrongly or has harmed you or offended you or upset you or caused you to feel angry or sad or grieved, God says, I have a way to reverse that, to return that harm with that which is positive, which that which is good. Here's how Jesus said it in Luke chapter 6. He said, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And here's what I know, is that if you and I are willing to pray a blessing over somebody who has wounded us, hurt us, caused grief in our life, here's what I know for sure. It may or may not change them, but it will change you when you pray for them. Some of you, God's calling you to that place where it's time to start praying for those who have grieved you. And God will reward you for that. What does he say? When you hold a grudge, when you try to be the avenger, it's easy to be overcome by evil. It stays with you. But when you forgive, that grudge begins to have its grip released. And so I simply ask the question, what kind of overcomer are you? What kind of overcomer are you? Are you overcome with evil? Or do you overcome evil with good. I know the pushback. I've heard it for years. Pastor, if you understood my story, if you knew my story, and I do know some of your stories, 
I don't know most of your stories, but I'm sure that by now you have heard the story of Amber Geiger and Botham Jean. I'm sure you've heard that it's been in the news. Amber is a 31-year-old white police officer who was just sentenced to 10 years in jail for shooting dead her 26-year-old black neighbor, Botham Jean. She claims he was an intruder into her apartment. But what happened is she actually mistook her apartment for his apartment, walked into his apartment thinking there was an intruder there, and shot him in his own apartment. She thought it was her own her apartment, she claims, even though there's compelling evidence to say otherwise. The part that captured the attention of the world this last week is when Botham's brother, Brant, got up on the stand at the sentencing hearing. I'm sure you've heard it or seen it by now. And when I watched that, I thought to myself, Brant is demonstrating a level of forgiveness I'm just not sure I possess. And he, in effect, encapsulates a summary of all that we've been talking about in this series. His, what he did on that stand. Because we talked about, going back to the beginning of the series, that we are all image bearers of God, which means every person is worthy of honor. That we don't disseminate or discriminate, excuse me, because of race or color or creed or choice. Culture tells Botham that his case needs to be about race. It needs to be about politics and gun violence and police violence. But Brant said no. As we talked about in our sermon on politics, Brant recognizes that he is a citizen of heaven first. And as a result of that, he is going to respond and react in this situation where his brother was killed with an eternal perspective. And then we went on and talked about gender identity. And in that, one of the primary messages is that we are all broken. Various degrees and levels, but every one of us is broken. We've all sinned in our life. And so Brant is asking the question that we are asking over and over and over before this series, during the series, and we'll continue to ask it, which is, what does loving like Jesus require of me? And boy... What Brandt decided to do is live out the quote that we shared from Billy Graham in that sermon where Billy Graham said it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge. And God can do that through courts and all that, of course. But it's our job to love. And we talked about suffering last week. And you better believe that Brandt is suffering. And it will be ongoing and continuous. His brother will never be with him again. He lost his brother to a a ridiculous set of circumstances that may or may not have been intentional. And in his suffering, as we talked about last week, he could turn bitter. That's culture's way. Or he could turn to God. But he's chosen to turn to God, and we get a glimpse to see how God has given Brant his peace in his present awful circumstances. And God has given him God's courage in his present and I would imagine in his future as well. So in sharing in this courtroom in Texas, Brant did exactly what we've been talking about this entire series. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. If you have seen it, we're going to watch it again because it's been powerful to me every time I've watched it. So let's watch his demonstration of what we're talking about. 
I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can, can I give her a hug, please? Please? Yes. There you watch an incredible application of forgiveness. That here's an individual who understood that he has been forgiven by Almighty God. And forgiven people forgive. And they even do it in mind-boggling ways that I don't know if I could do, do that. That he chose to let God do the avenging. And that he's not going to be overcome with evil, but he's going to demonstrate what it looks like to overcome evil with good. Colossians 3 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you have against another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Would you bow your heads, please? Try to close your eyes. You can wipe your tears away. You see, I know the reality is that a lot of us, maybe all of us, there's something that we've been holding on to. Weeks, months, years, and some I know even decades. And God's saying, today's the day if you're ready. If you'll open yourself up to the power of the Holy Spirit, He will give you the strength. He will give you His strength. He will give you His peace to forgive. Doesn't mean you're a doormat. Doesn't mean that, that trust is all of a sudden there. But you know You've been holding on to something that they haven't changed, they won't change, they may never change, but God's saying it's time for you to change because it's got a grip on you. So if you're willing to forgive as the Lord forgave you, I'm going to invite you right now in your own words to say, God, I, I'm no longer holding on to this. 
and I am choosing to forgive and put the name or names in there. Tell the Lord, I will forgive. God, hear these prayers. And I pray today that today is a miraculous day where you are setting free people who have been wound up, who their lives have been, in many respects, destroyed because of what's been going on with them. They maybe isolated themselves. They maybe separated themselves from other, and they're holding on to this. And God, just hear all these prayers from our heart, even if we don't have the right words. And like last week, Lord, some people are maybe just saying, oh, God, hear these prayers, God, as we ask for forgiveness. If you're here this morning, some of you might be in a situation where you need to still forgive yourself. That you do not believe or haven't come to the place where you understand how much God loves you and how much He's forgiven you and you're clinging to something and God's saying, just give your life to me. Give your life to me. I forgive you no matter what you've done. And if that's you here this morning and, and you're at a place this morning where you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, He wants to come into your life. He loves you. He forgives you. It doesn't matter what you have done in the past, the present, or what you will do. He forgives you of that. He died so that you could live. He died no matter. He died knowing full well what you've done and what you will do. And He still loves you. And He wants to be your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, if you've never said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's the day. I'm going to invite you to pray with me and pray something like these words. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me even when I haven't loved myself. And God, as best as I know right now, I receive your forgiveness into my life. As best as I know how, Jesus, I give my life to you. I turn my life over to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I pray this in faith, trusting that you have forgiven me my past, of my present, and my future. So in faith, I choose no longer live for myself, but to live for you. Thank you for this gift of eternal life, of this gift of forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. God, would you hear those prayers? And God, I pray that today is the beginning of an incredible future for so many people who you just did your miracle in hearts and lives. That God, people will have just prayed this prayer of forgiveness and they're going to walk into a situation today, tomorrow. It's not changing. But you've released them today. And you've enabled them to forgive. And we thank you for that. And then God, I do ask that you do do a miracle of restoration and reconciliation that's beyond our imagination. But we'll leave that into your hands. You'll take care of that. God, we come now to give you this offering. Use it for your glory and for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.